Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gagan Pressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. Joining me, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, you're still in Germany. How are you? I'm actually again in Germany, Bryce, because I was in mm-hmm. France uh, for a couple of days. Um, did the other thing that I sometimes do, you know, academic stuff, spoke at the Nanterre Université. I hope I didn't offend any French person with my pronunciation there. Um, on Russian... Russia football Gazprom and soft power and uh, gave a gave a lecture on that down in, in Paris or up in Paris actually so yeah I've been back in Germany now and full with French cheese and wine um, I mean uh, full of academic knowledge so yeah pretty good how about you Bryce how is London you guys have this beautiful weather as well yes the sun has finally arrived just like the flick of a switch we went from dark dreary miserable winter weather to to sunshine we had Likes of 26, 27, 28 this week is unbelievable. Don't know where it's come from, but uh, we'll not complain. I'm back from I'm back in Europe. That's why. Oh, you brought it with you, yeah, eh? Absolutely. Wow, that's very kind, and I'm sure our other member, Chris Williams, will will also be appreciating that. Chris, how have you been? Uh, yeah, not bad, Bryce. Thanks. Looking forward to um, Tuesday. Obviously, Champions League is back. I'm at Anfield for football grad. Um, football staff covering the Liverpool uh, Roma first leg, and then I'll be looking forward to um, Bayern's game at uh, Real Madrid. Uh, so yeah, we've got an interesting week of football coming up. Do we still uh, want uh, a Bayern Liverpool final? Is that what we want? Yes. yes, we do. That is exactly yeah. what we want for lots of things. Yes, mainly for work reasons, Bryce, because there hopefully will be TV companies all over the world after us. So yeah, of course we want Bayern against Liverpool in a final. Or oh, Bayern in the final against anyone, as well as Liverpool, from a personal perspective. That'd be a yes, cracker. Indeed. Bring it on. I, well, I, I think that's it. I think it would be a cracker. And I think between the three of us, we might even be able to um, well, organise maybe meeting up again, just mm. like last year. That would be good fun, wouldn't it? Reporting from the game. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I want to see this game, so <laughs> I uh, might not go out the night before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll we'll curb that. We'll go out after the game, I think. Yeah, we'll, we'll right. have yeah, to because right. there's no more hotels in Kiev. <laughs> no, well, yes, exactly. God knows where we'd end up, but uh, let's not. I get know ahead all the ourselves. parks and parks benches. Don't worry, Bryce. I lived in Kiev. I know the city like the back of my hand. <laughs> That's fine. They were sorted. It's okay then. Let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's take it one step at a time. Let's see if both these teams can actually get to the final. But um, talking about Bayern, let, let's start off with them. And last week, well, we, we talked about them in plenty, didn't we? We talked about uh, Nico Kovac uh, coming in and what type of impact that would be. Um, but we see uh, Bayern this weekend uh, play Hanover. And just while you thought, well, you know, they, they've got other games to be uh, focusing on. They, they absolutely breezed that one 3-0. They, they didn't really get out of third gear, as, as Manu would say. But uh, uh, let's maybe um, talk a, a little bit about that game, but, but also about the uh, midweek Pokal game as well, which sees them reaching the final after a, a fantastic and emphatic uh, 6-2 drumming of Bayer Leverkusen. Um, Manu, let's uh, go to you. You obviously predicted that um, Bayern would be able to achieve a treble this season. And, you know, with that victory midweek, it seems like they're still on course. Yeah, they're definitely on course. And wow, Bryce, this this team right now, I mean, this Leverkusen-Bayern game, um, I had the pleasure to do the match report for Fußballstadt.com. It, it was a breathless game at times. And I actually thought that the result is, of course, um, Leverkusen got blown out of the water in that game, but um, only because they actually tried to play some good football. And I think um, towards the, no, till about the 55th or 60th minute, Leverkusen were very much in this match and then miss a, miss a chance, follow misses a chance, got denied by Sven Ulreich, who was fantastic once again. And then Bayern score their third. And then I think Herrlich threw 
everything into this match and as a result got absolutely destroyed. Um, his side got absolutely destroyed. And I think till that third goal, though, it was a very even match. They could have gone still either way. But, you know, if you give Bayern a little bit of an opening, they just take it. And they are just so dangerous going forward. Right now, Thomas Müller, I mean, Lewandowski is on form. And, you know, when Lewandowski isn't on form, they bring on Sandro Wagner or the other way around. I mean, this was the case against Hannover. I mean, poor Hannover. They, Bayern just kind of summer kick, you know, like playing on the beach, more or less. And um, weren't that effective, got a goal, but weren't that effective. And then Heinkes brings on Lewandowski off the bench and Bayern still managed to just destroy Hannover in what was really an easy game for them. It's just, it's so remarkable how how good they are right now. And when they really want to, what they can do. And that's, I haven't seen something like that really since 2013. When they were also, of course, coached by Heinkes, you didn't see the same kind of attitude under Pep Guardiola. But under Pep Guardiola, when they won the title, they sort of took the foot off the pedal a little bit, and then got, of course, eliminated in the Champions League. And this year, they're not, they're not seem to do it. Um, it's really, really impressive the way they have been playing in recent weeks. And those two matches showed that even if they're not, you know, if they're not playing full throttle, they still have that uh, professionalism about them to just win a match. And that's just remarkable, I find. Yeah, absolutely. They they seem to just be a, a very efficient, don't they? They seem to um, be very professional in, in uh, still keeping these performances up, which would have been easy for them to uh, slide with them relaxing in, in the league. Uh, but, um, Chris, if we go to you, I mean, it, it obviously uh, in the other semi-final we've seen uh, Eintracht Frankfurt beat uh, Schalke, so it will be um, an, the Nico Kovac uh Derby in a, in a way or final I suppose as he will be playing the side that he will then be taking on uh, or he will be taking over uh, next season um, but it, it would be hard to say anything but um, Bayern are going to be favourites going into this um, do Eintracht stand a chance or, or Bayern just too good? Well if Manu had the pleasure of reporting on the Bayern match I had the displeasure of reporting on the um, Schalke Frankfurt match which was probably one of the most bad-tempered games I've watched in a long time um, with Frankfurt just edging through, and I mean just edging through. Um, and they've got themselves into a final. A, a final's a one-off game. Uh, I don't think you can take form into it, although you know Bayern are heavily the favourites and they've been playing some exceptional football. I, like Manu, am a little surprised at how concentrated they are still on the league um, and the cup. I thought it would have been all about the Champions League because that's one thing Bayern haven't won in a while is the Champions League. But they seem to be, you know, not resting players, going with strong sides, um, playing the strongest eleven that available to them at every single time. And I think Hankers is very focused on the treble and maybe even thinks if he takes his foot off the gas a little bit, then it's it's hard to get it back on. But it's a one-off game. It's a one-off final game. Um, you know the the um, the master versus the student, whatever you want to call it. It's going to be a thrilling game, and uh, I'm pretty sure that um, Kovac will want to win it for Frankfurt. Obviously, he was there last year. I was there last year. So then they, you know, watched them be edged out by Borussia Dortmund, um, and they played very very well in that final in periods. And I'm, I'm sure they'll want to go back to Berlin and right the wrongs of last season. And I think that Kovac will be happy to do that. I don't think for a minute that he'll be sat there thinking, oh, I can't beat these because, you know, I'm going to be managing this side next year. I want to be able to go into the trophy room and look at the Pokal, not have to get on a brush to Frankfurt. I don't think that'll be in his mind at all. He'll want to go out on a high and the best way is to beat Bayern and give them the Pokal. So a one-off game, they've got every chance, but I wouldn't be surprised if Bayern blew them away. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a... a a pretty tough challenge, isn't it? But as you said, Chris, you never know what can happen in a one-off game. But let's talk about um, Bayern's midweek game uh, coming up, which is not a one-off game. We're going to be playing it over a home and away tie. Uh, it's going to be a Wednesday night when they're at home taking on uh, the Champions League favourite, um, Real Madrid. Uh, Manu, uh, last year we seen that you know there were some questionable decisions, uh, which resulted in uh, Bayern going out um, over 180 minutes. It ended 3-3. Uh, what way do you see it going this year? Do you see 
um, Real having the edge? They've got maybe the experience of being them before, or do you see Bayern being a better side than than they are last year, or maybe Real are worse? Oh, Bryce, are, are Real the favorites? I think Bayern are the favorites in this match, according to the stats guys at 538. I mean, uh, take it or leave it, right? I think Bayern are considered the favorites by them. Um, others would say, of course, Real are the favorites. I think it's really hard to say um, who of the two are the better side right now. I think when you go by league form, you would probably have to go with Bayern. If you go by Champions League form, you have to go with Real Madrid. And the, on the other hand... They didn't really convince me that much in that second leg against Juventus. Um, keep in mind, it was only a penalty at the very last minute. And Real Madrid get those more often than others. Although I think, and Chris, you pointed this out very well on Twitter. You you uploaded some images after the penalty call. Um, when you take the emotions away and everything, it was the right call for Madrid to get that penalty. But at the same time, I, it's always curious that Real are the team to get those. And I think when you take those two legs, the second leg wasn't that convincing. And that's been something that, that struck me about Real Madrid when they, they're good when they need to, but they also always have those games where they just look vulnerable. And I think that is something that I find very curious about the side. Now, of course, they can prove me wrong on Wednesday when they play against Bayern and, and they blow them out of the water in the first leg, like they have done in the past. Um, I mean, you have to remember last season when those two teams clashed, Real Madrid ended up winning the game in Munich and then lost the game in Madrid and it ended up being 3-3 and it was only that red card to Arturo Vidal. That was that, that difference maker. But I mean, Chris, on that level, they, can we really say one is the favorite over the other? No, I mean, obviously, there's going to be favourites because people want to bet money on them. And you know, if you look at the latest odds, then Real Madrid are seven to four, Bayern are two to one. So it's not you know, they're, they're pretty evenly cut. Liverpool are nine to four, and Roma are eight to one. So there's only the only people who are being given an outside chance at the minute is Roma, and you know, I think they're one of the most dangerous sides left in it. So um, this particular matchup. I don't think you can call it. It's going to all be, it's an old football cliche, but it's going to be who plays the best on the night, or in this case, nights. Um, neither side can afford to have a bad night, um, especially Real because of where it is. So, um, yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see. If um, if Bayern can get, you know, three or four goals, then it's going to be hard for Real. But if they get, I'd say, even one away goal, even if it's three or four, one, I think there's always a chance there. Um, or, you know, Madrid could just go out and make it 4-0 on the night and it's all over the next day. But we saw what happened at Juventus um, if that happens. So I think maybe both sides uh, are capable as a, a wobble on the night with the pressure. We're just going to have to wait and see. Um, you know, loads of, let's get some football cliches out of the way. First goal is going to be crucial. Um, and, and, you know, away goals are crucial. Um it's going to be a fascinating game, and I don't think it's one where you can say one's a favourite, one's not a favourite. Very much, this is you know a two-legged final for me, and whoever goes through from this will fancy their chances the most. Yeah, I would go along with that. I think that the team that wins this one will be the favourite to win the final. This is uh, you know this is this is just because of those the dominance that those teams have displayed, not just in in their domestic competitions, but in the Champions League, you, you have to remember no team has reached the the semi-final or quarter-final stage of this competition more often than Bayern. Real Madrid have now won it two times in a row, three times in the last four years. That's football royalty, and they're facing each other, and I think on that night, it, so much will depend on little details. Um, for example... Cristiano Ronaldo, there's, there was a very good article today in the Süddeutsche Zeitung here in Munich about how Ronaldo has reinvented his game and how he's now a, a center forward rather than a winger and um, how he will be crucial for Bayern to take out of the match. And you saw what he did in the first leg against Juventus, where Juventus really struggled to take him out of the match, right? And lost that match, mostly because Ronaldo found the net. Um, including that amazing bicycle kick. I think he was in, in the air two meters and 30 centimeters in the air where he hit the ball. That's remarkable. And then the second leg, Juventus took him out of the match. And I think that's the things that will make the difference. If Bayern can take out Ronaldo, I think they have a very good chance of going through. So I think that is really where your Pinkers will, will focus on. And I 
think if there is a man in world football, of all the coaches there are around the world that can get his team ready to do this, I mean, Chris, this is again, this is a 70-year-old coach who has seen and done it all, then it's probably your Pinkus. Yeah, you know, he will have studied and the way Real have played in the last few matches, both in Europe and domestically, and him and his team will have put something together, hopefully, um, from a German's perspective, that they can stop that and go through to the final. But um, obviously this guy is going out, isn't he? And this could potentially be his very last, last match. Obviously he'll have the um, Pokal final and then the Champions League final if they get there. So... Um, it could be his very last match, and who will it be against? You know, I've I've already said, and I put it on Twitter that football has some very strange stories. It's already thrown one up um, in Germany, so the Pokal final will be, you know, Niko Kovac um, playing the team he's about to go to, and Jupp Heynckes playing um, or putting his wits against the coach who he's just about to hand over the reins to. So it wouldn't surprise me to see um, Jupp Heynckes face Jurgen Klopp again in the Champions League final in his very last game. I think football has got a very strange way of, of throwing these scenarios together. So it's going to be very, very interesting. But I would say, uh, you know, remarkable as a player and as a manager that Zidane has been winning the Champions League back to back. You know, he'd never been done before. He's the first player. He's the first manager to do it. Sorry. Um, he's won it himself. He's a World Cup winner, albeit he got sent off. But um, he. He knows the game, but does he know as much as Jupp Heynckes? Has he got as much experience um, off the field as him? It's going to be a real tactical battle, I think, and one that um, Bayern will feel that they can probably edge out over two games. One game, I think, may be an ask uh, because of how strong Madrid are and how powerful they are, but a two-legged tie, if they can get a good result at home, you never know. Let's end. It also seems that Thomas Muller is very confident going into the game as well, saying the chances look good. We're not just in the semi-final, just like that. We're in a good phase. Uh, I'm sure we won't be gifted anything, but there's something in the air right now. So there's clearly confidence in the side going into the game. But uh, we talked about Cristiano Ronaldo and different tactics that are going to need to be uh, employed. Uh, but uh, matter who are the other players? Uh, that possibly Bayern need to nullify going into the game. They're not just a one-man side. Yeah, Tony Kroos, of course, and Motric, right, in midfield. And then they, the uh, attacking players were, will be very much occupied by Casimiro, um, who was, of course, the player that should have been sent off last season. Um, we have to remember how Real got through last year. It's, it's still one of the most questionable games, I think, that I watched in the since I've watched football and I've watched a lot of football, but it's been still one of the most questionable games. And Casemiro is um, is going to be a key player and if they have to find a way around him. It's funny that you mentioned um, Thomas Müller-Bryce because the guy has been spectacular since Heinkes has come in and really good in this Rückrunde. The goal that he scored against Leverkusen, um, just amazing. And the, the way he's been acting, I mean, he said after that, after the game there they showed him the, the goal on camera and he said yeah well now that I'm seeing it on TV it looks pretty good that's the kind of that's the kind of attitude he's showing right now and uh, I think he will be key for Bayern and um, he will be key to terrorize players like Casimiro right to to give them no edge and he's the kind of guy that can do that I mean remember the in the World Cup in 2014 when Germany was playing Portugal in the opening match and Thomas Müller got Pepe sent off. And I mean, that's not unfairly, but he managed to do it be just because he was constantly annoying him. And from then on, it was a clear path. So Thomas Müller will be, of course, um, a key player in terms of of uh, nullifying someone like Casemiro um, because Müller is the king of trash talk. I think we all know that. Yeah, most certainly. And Chris, uh, just to speak about uh, certain players on the field, um, how much will Bayern miss um, Arturo Vidal? Oh, well, I think he's key um, to the way this team plays. We've spoke at great length on you know, probably the last five or six pods about how um, his form just rocketed once Heikness came, uh, came in. Um, so I think he's going to be a very big miss. I mean, some of the games that I've covered for Bayern, he's always been the standout man of the match. So I think that should give you an indication about the strengths that you know they will miss. But 
he's not there, so they're going to have to deal with that, and you know they won't be able to use that as an excuse at some point. Mm. Or we didn't have a tour of Vidal, they just have to get around that and use the the strength that they've got. I mean, they have still got some exceptional midfielders, so uh, maybe not with the same experience, but you know Vidal can be in and around the squad to offer his opinions about and uh, maybe coach and mentor some of the guys who are going to come in, or especially some of the youngsters. So um, I don't think it's all. I don't think it's all doom and gloom. Bayern are nowhere um, a one-man team or a one-man midfield team. So maybe if he was the best player on the pitch and they didn't have anybody else that could equal it around him, I think it would be a massive loss for them. So, for instance, if Real Madrid were to lose Cristiano Ronaldo, I think that's you know almost unrecoverable for them um, in a game of this magnitude. But I think Bayern will be okay without Vidal. They should have enough strength and depth to deal with it. Yeah, it'll be interesting... When Heinkes won the Champions League last year, and he had two two pivots in midfield with Schweinsteiger and Javi Martinez, right? And they they were both capable. Of course, Schweinsteiger a bit more attacking minded than Martinez, but Schweinsteiger in the later parts of his career was playing a lot deeper in midfield. And right now, they they kind of seem to lack that. When you look at the alternatives to Vidal, we're talking Hamas, Thiago, Rudi. Right, Chris, they're all a bit more offensive minded. So I think it will be very, that will be maybe one of the weaknesses now in that, in that Bayern midfield, because everyone else in that Bayern midfield is attacking minded and they will have to find a balance. Um, it can't be just Javi Martinez holding down the fort for them, right? Yeah, it'll be interesting just to see how they are set up uh, going into the game uh, this week. Uh, we'll have it all covered uh, on the Football Grads uh, Network and, well, plenty of uh, talk on both the games, I'm sure. But, uh, guys, let's get back uh, to the domestic um, side of things. Let's talk about the Bundesliga. Um, Borussia Dortmund had a fantastic weekend. Um, things look a little bit better for their Champions League hopes as they took on Bayer Leverkusen and beat them a whopping 4-0. Yeah. Uh, What a comprehensive victory that is. It even seen Jado Sancho, um, the youngster, the Englishman, score and become the youngest Englishman ever to score in the Bundesliga. Um, Manu, I mean, this this is a uh, massive step, isn't it, for Borussia Dortmund uh, to get into the Champions League. We talked last week about who would possibly get those positions. And it's looking most likely that uh, Borussia Dortmund will get it now, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, that's a very big step for them. <laughs> but can we just mention on how quick things can change in 90 minutes? Chris, you did, oh, the, you did the, <laughs> the Riviera Derby match report and uh, it seemed so doom and gloom, didn't it? Yeah, uh, it did. <laughs> this was a million miles away from that. Um, yeah, they were, they were horrendous uh, at Schalke. Um, you know, and they came out to a banner that says, um, or was the effect of, I don't think you understand or understand the, um, the gravitas of the result against Schalke, yeah. a big, big banner on the West stand, basically saying the players weren't up for it. And, and they pretty much answered that. But yeah, you know, that, that, this is why we love football because you can go out and get humiliated one week. Um, two nil by your nearest rivals and your neighbours, and then you you can go out and spank your other neighbours. Leverkusen's only down the road, um, and you can batter them four nil and and effectively draw a line, um, you know, under your own Champions League problems. It's it's remarkable. I I covered this match for Fußballstadt, and uh, Dortmund should have been up three or four nil in the first half. You have to remember with the result. So they won this game four nil, right? But the Royce got a goal call back in the first half, thanks to VR, and it was the correct call, but I mean, when I saw that goal go in, he was racing off, uh, celebrating it, right, and you had sort of this feeling, oh, wow, like, this is lifted off, you could feel the roof was coming out of the Westfalen Stadion, and then the goal called back, and then shortly after, he missed the penalty, probably because he was still angry about having the the goal called back, so that would have already been three goals in the first half for Dortmund, Um, but they didn't, you know, in recent times, you have seen them fall apart after performances like that. How many games have you seen on the Stöger where in the first 45 minutes they were incredible, and in the second 45 minutes were like, oh, I want those 45 minutes back. This was horrendous. But they actually topped the second 45 minutes by playing, keep playing straight football. Jaden Sancho was incredible. Royce wasn't fantastic. Mario Götze um, single-handedly resurrected his career in 90 minutes of football. Um, Philip was great. Chris, you called it. 
you know, we were wondering about who can play up front. Um, you said play Philip up front. Stöger listened to this podcast, obviously, and did it. <laughs> 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 But that formation worked because they had those four guys up front. And I felt like that was my old Borussia Dortmund. Because all of a sudden you had these four guys rotating because Philip wasn't stationary in that striking position, right? He was, he fell back. He changed positions, um, interchanged positions. Götze played there. Then the Sancho moved over. It was, it was, Leverkusen didn't know where players would be popping up. And I need to mention Pulisic as well. He was on the field of, as well, of course, and he, he played very well too. So I thought actually almost that that system with that kind of forward suited them better than playing with a more natural striker. In this game anyway. So, you know, of course, in different games, you will need different players. But in this game, it was exactly what they needed. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because that's exactly what you said, Chris. Like, play Philip up front and Stuger did and it's exactly what they needed. I've been a big fan of his for a long time. And I, you know, I've said it before that when he went out injured, I thought he was the best, um, best forward that Dortmund had at the time. And he's, he's come back after a terrible injury. And, um, yeah, he just looks hungry every time he's on the field. But I think you're right. It's the three behind him that suited it. In, in the past, we've seen Bruce Dortmund be better with a, um, with a three up front. Um, but for this particular game, it worked well. And, you know, as you quite mentioned that Gotza played well. Um, Julian Feigl played well. Um, the, the back four were well. Obviously, um, Akanji started on the left. I think that he made a massive difference, especially if you look at the third goal, which I think is probably the best goal that Dortmund have scored this calendar year. Um, it was just such a fast break, uh, excellent control and a very, very good finish. So, um, yeah, it's all around a very good day in the office um, to combat what was a horrendous weekend before. And I think we said, didn't we, prior to this pod, that with the the games that were going on this particular match day um, out of Dortmund and Bayer and Leipzig and Hoffenheim, there would be massive winners and losers. And I think we've seen that this weekend with, um, I know we'll get on to Leipzig at some point, but I think they're the biggest losers and mm -hmm. Dortmund are, are the biggest winners. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm glad you mentioned Manuel Akanji. Um, when I wrote the match report, I ultimately gave the man of the match to Jaden Sancho. I thought, um, I haven't seen a performance like that. Someone, someone on Twitter ended up comparing him to Wayne Rooney. I'm, I'm not sure where that comparison comes from. I find they're two completely different players, but, um, I thought young Mario Götze and I think Stefan Buschko posted a picture on Twitter where you could see the, the way when Mario Alcanti plays that ball forward, the, I think it was the third goal that you just mentioned, right, Chris? And he, he takes the ball with the back heel. And then moves forward and then plays the cross that ended up, ends up being the goal. Um, so I want to, I want to point out Akanji on all of this because Akanji is a center back. And, uh, when Dortmund signed him, there was, of course, all the talk that Liverpool wanted him because he is such a fantastic player. Um, in the ways he distributes the ball out of the back, he's a very good center back. But what a lot of people keep forgetting when he was playing in Switzerland, he was the fastest player in that league. Um, he was capped at the sort of speed that we cannot, that we see from Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. So Stöger, in his infinite wisdom, and, and I mean this in a positive way, not in a negative way, put him on left back, a position that he's never played before. He's played in the right back in the past. So he put him on left back, um, because Schmelzer has been horrendous all season long. And the guy plays the best game of his season. And um, Stöger afterwards said, well, it will be difficult for Schmelzer to get back into the side, right? Because Manuel Akanji looks like the player that you need on that position. He's fast, he distributes the ball well, he can cross, and he has that first opening ball. And I think, for me, it was very close. I mean, Satan Sancho, we usually tend to vote for players that uh, do the more fantastic stuff, right? But when you look at Manuel Akanji's play and the fact that they took out Schmelzer and I, I think another reason was leaving out Nuri Shaheen, sort of the old guard that sort of needs to maybe go away anyways at the end of the season key move in my opinion to put Manuel Akanji on that position a position he's never played before um, gutsy move by Stöger and it paid off big time and it was probably the most interesting move he made and it turned the Dortmund side completely around. Um, this was the most Dortmund-like performance I've seen all season by them. And I think it was little tweaks. And this is another thing that you said, Chris. Maybe it's just little tweaks. And that's what Stöger did. And he he went all in and he won. 
And I mean, Chris, we we've spoke about you know the the run in the the final few games for Dortmund, and that they were quite challenging. They had a lot of tough ones, and you know this is a fantastic result for them. You know when they've got uh, Bremen coming up, who have had a good second half of the season, but mine too have possibly, you know, at that stage they're going to have plenty to play for down that end of the table and then finishing off with Hoffenheim. But, I mean, to talk about um, Leverkusen, do you think that they were maybe a little fatigued, um, maybe a bit downtrodden from uh, the midweek uh, Pokal game? I mean, they could have been. Um, it's rare for sides to play midweek and then weekend, especially um, this time of the season. And, um, Leverkusen obviously weren't in the Champions League or Europa League last season, so at the critical end. So you know they will have not um, will have not been used to this sort of tempo. So you I mean you could say that, or as Dortmund showed last weekend, teams can have a very bad off day and be punished for it. And I thought Leverkusen have been over the whole of the season have been particularly good, but you know on on the weekend they were very poor. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they respond. To this drubbing in their next match, and you know they've still got a fight to fight um, to try and get into a Champions League slot. I'm sure they're not just going to give it up now. Um, so it'll be interesting to see their response. But I wouldn't say their bubbles burst as such. I'll, I'll just say maybe they just had a horrendous day, a little like Dortmund had last weekend. Well, I said it'll be interesting to see how they recover when they take on Stuttgart uh, next week, which will be no easy game for them. But, um, uh, guys, I, I suppose let's talk about, um, well, the, the second-placed uh, side, Schalke, who did have that fantastic result in the derby last week against uh, Dortmund. Uh, but this week they struggled. Um, they looked absolutely breathtaking out in the first half, conceded a goal against the run of play um, against, um, well, Goners Cologne now, I would say. Uh, but the game ended 2-2 after a free kick in the second half. Uh, Manu, it, this means that Dortmund are catching uh, Schalke. They're only two points behind them now on 56 and 54. Um, do you think uh, Dortmund will will you know, leapfrog them into second? Um, or do you think it doesn't really matter because both the sides are going to get Champions League and whether it's second or third, you know, who really cares? Chris, what do you think? Does it matter? Um, I think it does locally, yeah, of course yeah. it does, because Dortmund will want to finish second, yeah. Schalke will desperately want to topple them to say that they're now the king of the teams in the raw region, so yeah, I think pretty much it matters as much mm. as a cup final to both sides. I agree, I think it massively matters for Dortmund and Schalke. Um, it's kind of, put it in perspective, it's kind of the, the same as Tottenham and Arsenal, right? What was that day that they always had in England um, when Arsenal topped <laughs> yeah. Tottenham? Um, there's a name what for is it. It's in Tottering Day. Is that what it is, Chris? Well, it's a bit too southern for me. That I'd akin it to, you know, I'm obviously I'm from Liverpool. So um, if if Liverpool weren't to win the league, which they haven't done for a long time, it's about are they going to finish above Everton? That's Everton's. That's Everton's main goal at the moment is to finish above Liverpool because they know they're not going to win the league and they're pretty not good enough to win a cup because they haven't won one for twenty odd years. So their main goal is to finish above their. Um, city rivals. Now I know um, Dortmund are in Dortmund and Schalke are in Gelkirchen, but they're very, very close. You know, they're neighbouring cities, so I, I, it's going to be it, local bragging rights. That's what it's about for yeah. the whole team, for the whole club, for the supporters, for the members, um, for the staff. You know, Schalke would love to be able to say at the end of the season, yeah, you know, we finished second with a with a second best side in the country and we're the number one side in the raw region, which obviously is, is full of clubs as we well know. So yeah. um yeah, for me that that battle for second place is is, is obviously it's not as valuable as a trophy, but um in the mind that locally it'll be as valuable as one. Neither will want to finish behind the other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Manu, who do you think's most likely to do that? Obviously Schalke have the two point advantage, but the run-in isn't exactly easy either. We talked about Dortmund having Hoffenheim, uh, Bremen, and uh, and, and Mainz, you know, which is a, a tough mm. enough run-in. But Schalke have Gladbach, you know, Osberg, and, and Frankfurt. I mean, that's not exactly easy either. No, and you know, Gladbach are back in the race for Europe um, because of Frankfurt. And we'll talk about Frankfurt in a moment. But um, Gladbach are back in the race for Europe, so Gladbach will want to have pre- preserved that minimum chance that they have to. To maybe reach Europe after all, right? Um, so 
that's a hard game. Um, Augsburg, they, um, they reached, um, they, they reached safety today with their win over Mainz. So that's maybe a little bit easier, um, because of, of course they, they might be in celebration mode. Um, eight years in a row now that Augsburg were tipped them a one team to go down and eight years in a row they stayed in. So congrats to them, by the way. Um, Frankfurt, same story as Gladbach. They will be still fighting to maybe reach that straight Europa League spot, right? They cannot rely on winning the cup. Um, the seventh place, if Bayern win the cup, will be still enough. Of course, but they will be also still fighting. So that's a, that's a tough rest program for them. Um, and of course, Dortmund, they got Bremen next, right, Price? And then Mainz. Um, that's, that's right. Yeah. That's, I would say that's slightly easier. Um, Mainz have been dreadful. Bremen won't care. Um, it's nothing for them to play for. And then of course, the final matches is against Hoffenheim. And my gut's saying by the time Hoffenheim and Dortmund are playing, uh, Hoffenheim will be playing, be playing for a Champions League spot for the fourth spot. Again, we'll get to that. But Dortmund's Champions League spot will be wrapped up, which can be easier for you, right? You, you, the pressure's off. So they will be just fighting for that, that second place. And I think there's, I personally think that Dortmund will finish second. I still think so. I, I am not convinced by the Schalke side. I have not been convinced by the Schalke side all season long. And I watched the game today. Uh, I think that they're a very good side. I think Tedesco is doing a fantastic job, but I just don't see it. Um, I just don't see the hype quite yet. I think that they will be better next year, maybe if they make some additions, um, but I don't just see it yet, Bryce. Wow. Well, I'm surprised on two different fronts. One, you said something positive about Osberg. That, that's never happened. So, yeah. t- that's this. This is going down as a special moment in the podcast, I think. So, um, <laughs> until maybe this next, we'll, t- you know, we'll tell the editor to take it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know that was coming. But you, you also said that you you haven't been impressed with with Schalke. I mean, they brought in a new coach this year. Um, Holidays left. You know, to you guys. Didn't think the the coach was going to last. How it is was obviously a you know, a big part of the the side there. He's oh I think he went to Italy. Bryce, I think they, they finished tenth last year. I mean, surely that's yeah yeah. I that's think a good feat. You're quite. I think you slightly misunderstand me. I think they haven't blown me out of the water. It's always been consistent, but these result there was never that many spectacular results in in their performances and. I'm the one thing, the big thing that surprises me about Schalke is that they haven't been found out yet. I, I suspected they would be found out last week when they played Dortmund. They weren't because Dortmund were dreadful. Um, I think that, that that side is on a good way and a good path and they will reach the Champions League, but I do not think that they are a better team than Dortmund. I'm sorry. I just don't, when I look at the squad and I look at the squad depth of each side, I just don't think that they're the second best team in Germany. That's just my personal opinion and I, um, I think that Dortmund has a very good chance of still catching them and making up for the Riviera Derby defeat because when, if you finish second in the league, you know, that, that will count something in that regard. I mean, I, of course I might be wrong, but that's just when I look at the side and when I look at the games and every game that I've seen them play, um, I just didn't, I do not see them on a higher level than Dortmund, even when Dortmund were bad. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Do you think it's just that Dortmund have been more inconsistent and had their patches? Um, oh, yeah. I will remember the end of uh, boss. Uh, Dortmund blew it. Tender. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think Dortmund blew this season. <laughs> uh, I mean, you look at when you look at the way they played against Leverkusen. Um, it's it's absolutely remarkable that they are where they are right now. They should have long wrapped up the Champions League spot, and they should be chasing Bayern at the top of the table. Um. Yeah, well, that's it. Um, I mean. Uh, once they just season, it looked so good for them, and then it fell so very flat, didn't it? But um, let, let's talk about the sides just uh, further down from that. Chris obviously mentioned uh, RB Leipzig. I, I feel we're going to have to touch on them. But let, let's start with Hoffenheim. And I believe that this um, patch, uh, 
man who's made a point this week of us going back to uh, bringing out some German sayings, which um, we all know I'm very good at them, but I've got off the uh, well off the leash for too long, haven't I? So um, the the rest of the pack, it, it, Manu, is known as die Verfolger. Is that correct? Yeah, that was close. It's good. Okay, well, too bad. Okay, well, maybe one of the easier ones. But yes, let, let's talk about Hoffenheim first before we get to RB Leipzig. Uh, uh, Chris, we'll, we'll go back to you. Um, but we see that they're only two points behind uh, the Champions League spots uh, in Bayer Leverkusen. Obviously, that loss to uh, to Dortmund is going to play into their hands. Um, they managed to beat RB Leipzig 5-2. Uh, uh, it's very rare that you see these up type of scorelines. Um but I suppose credit to Hoffenheim, wouldn't you say? Yeah, um, obviously. You, if you were just to look at the, over the match and say, "Oh, yeah, um, you know, Leipzig had a red card and and did that do it?" Pretty much in essence, it, it sort of sealed the fate. But um, they already had the lead by then. Um, it was it was looking unlikely that Leipzig could come back into it by the time um, Wolfsburg was sent off. And then that probably just um, helped the game go to the score it did. But I thought Leipzig just looked tired, um, like really tired. Uh, I mean, and some of the people they left on the bench, I'm still a little surprised that. I mean, if you look at who started, obviously Naby Keita was on the bench. I know he picked up. Uh, a knock to the hip in um, Marseille, but I would have thought he, uh, he he could have started this game. Obviously, he came on later in the game. Um, Campbell didn't start. Um, Upper Meccano didn't start. Um, Agustin didn't start. It was a strange, um, it was a strange selection for me. Um, I know why he's gone with Werner, but I, I think I said um, last week. Um, on the Mexican um, pod that I jumped on to tell them all about how dangerous um, Germany are going to be at the World Cup, Timo Werner looks tired. Um, so I'm I'm surprised that he went um, with Werner starting. So, yeah, it's it's been a strange one, um, to say the least. And I think Leipzig, I think they've started to fizzle out a little bit now. And we said it last season, how would they cope with Europe, I think now we can look back over this whole season and say they didn't actually cope with it very well. Um, and if they need to do anything for next season, it's work out how to play um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. Now next season, they're going to have it even worse because I will suspect now at this very point that they'll qualify for the Europa League. So they will either play um, Thursday and Sunday or Thursday and Monday if we get Monday games next season. So I very rarely think we will see um, Leipzig play on a Saturday. It'll mostly be Sunday afternoon games or Monday games if they go ahead. So they're going to have to adjust to that. Um, And how well will they adjust to it? Well, going by how well they adapted this season, not very well. It's interesting that they suspended all contract negotiations, eh? That was the, the news today. No more contract negotiations until the summer including, I mean, the one that, of course, got the most attention was Timo Werner's negotiations um, for all the obvious reasons, but also including, of course, Hasenhüttl. And um, it's interesting that Hasenhüttl went from being a coach that could take the Bayern job to a coach who might be out of a job this summer because Leipzig don't, might think that in order to develop this team further, they might go a different direction. It's It's fascinating how quick football can be that way. Um, in, in that regard, because in some ways, maybe they feel that he did not manage the side correctly uh, in the second half of the season. And that will be a problem for him if he's trying to, you know, if he and Leipzig call it a day and they separate, because I know that it was a little fractious earlier on in the season. If that relationship's broken down and they leave, well, he's not done himself that many favours by showing his inability to um, to coach what is a decent side and a decent squad, um, especially in the Europa League, I think that's the that's the problem here. Champions League, okay, you know it's Europe's Premier Club competition. They're a very young, embryotic club. You know they're <laughs> they're only formed a few years back in the grand scheme of football, um, and it'll take them a while to get to the level to be able to play in the Champions League. But I thought Europa League, I genuinely thought this is a competition that they probably could have got to the final in with those that were left over two legs. Um, they should have really done the business um, against um, Marseille, especially taking the lead in the manner they did over in France inside the first two minutes. I think it was that should have been enough 
for them to steamroller that game. They didn't. They collapsed. And we've seen it all too often this season is they collapsed and they collapsed again at the weekend and, and were hammered at home 5-2. Yeah, and that was the, the, the you mentioned, uh, collapsed against Marseille, um, collapsed against Leverkusen. Uh, those were key games for them in terms of going to the later stages of the Europa League, which now, in retrospect, might have been the easiest path to Europe for them on the Champions League, right? Um, and then, of course, this collapse, the collapse against Leverkusen. I, I think the static isn't there. And I mean, Hasenhüttl is maybe to blame, but uh, I think one of the big culprits is also squad depth. Um, that's something that I've, we've also chatted about, right, Chris, that the lack of squad depth in the side has been um, a big problem for them. And the problem they've got now is arguably they're going to lose their best player at the end of the season. Mm. Um, obviously, Timo Werner is out-and-out striker, but if you're looking at who's going to supply him, who's going to get the ball to him, who's going to be the creative linchpin in that midfield, they're going to lose Naby Keita in the summer. And um, you know, there's a reason why clubs were trying to fight for him because you know he's pretty much um, an out-and-out player on his own and there is no other alternative to him. So it's going to be... It's going to be fascinating to see how they replace him because you know some of the guys they brought in I don't think are going to step right into that slot straight away at the same level. So this will be a really big problem for Leipzig last season. They struggled um, with Cater in the side. Um, then you know I dread to think how they're going to cope next season. Yeah, that's interesting. And also, let's not forget that um, uh, Red Bull Salzburg have gone further in the competition than them. Um, so, you know, that that's a little embarrassing, I think. Yeah, maybe, eh? Um it's it's interesting that though that you mentioned that, that the whole cater and the fact that they're going to have a hard time replacing him because they may have to change the way they're playing. And then of course that's again brings in the whole question mark about Hasenhutl, can he play a different way, right? Will a change of playing style coincide with a change of coaching? It's a good question. I mean, it might have to because yeah. we know that obviously their first season in the Bundesliga, they were powered by Naby Keita. That's yeah. why they got where they did. He was the main cog in that engine room, if you mm. like it, of midfield, um, and that's why he was voted the second best player in the league over that season. And um, yeah, it's it's going to be hard because I think he's the he's the key to that whole Leipzig style. So take him out of it, you know, and there's 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 a Naby Keita sized hole in the midfield for Leipzig to fill quickly. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you guys also think that? Um, I mean, Chris, you you spoke about uh, Timo Werner, and you know we've always sang his praises on on the podcast, and you know we we see him leading the line for uh, Germany in the summer. I mean, if he has a good World Cup, RB Leipzig don't read the, the Champions League. Could they possibly see him wanting to move on as well? Um, and and if so, the change of a coach, Naby Keita and Timo Werner, that's going to set the club back, is it not? Well, I think. Leipzig have already said that nobody's going anywhere. So, and they are quite good at that. They said that, um, you know, Naby Keita wouldn't be going anywhere. And, and although he signed the deal, they're true to the word. He didn't leave in that season. Um, Werner's under contract. I think they'll be quite hard over on that. They don't want to be seen as a club that um, buckles when the likes of I know Liverpool have come, but when when either Premier League sides come or when if someone like Bayern starts sniffing around Werner, they don't want to be seen as a club that buckles under the pressure. So they've already said he's not going anywhere. Um, so, you know, they pay his wages, he's under contract. So we'll have to wait and see. But uh, I'm sure if they want to tie Timo Werner down, they'll have to do it before the World Cup because if they don't and he has a fantastic World Cup, then they could be getting offers from Spain, England, and other parts of Germany, which will be eye-watering to them. And, you know, the end of the day, um, RB Leipzig is a business. So um, no matter how much Ralf Ragnick says, you know, we're not selling players. If someone like Real Madrid or Bayern Munich mm. come in with stupid money, you know, it's the people who pay Ragnick's wages will start to go, actually, um, we might not be able to turn this down, considering we've lost our best midfielder and we've got a virtually brand-new coach in. Maybe we need to do a little mini rebuild of this side and that'll pay for it. So it'll be very interesting. Yeah, Manu, if we talk about likes of uh, Hoffenheim and, and Leipzig, um, do you see either of those sides leaping over Bayer Leverkusen's position and getting into a Champions League spot? Well, Hoffenheim are now in a very good position. 
Uh, I think they've kind of flown a little bit under the radar in recent weeks and slowly but surely have creeped up to to a position now where they're only two points behind Leverkusen and have the better goal differential um, with plus 16 as opposed to Leverkusen's plus 14. Of course, the defeat against Dortmund didn't help. And Julian Nagelsmann has a little bit reinvented himself in recent weeks. He's rotated his side less. Um, he has more bank more on key players in his side. Um, I think it's helped him that he didn't have the European football to worry about anymore. So um, he has really developed a little bit. And this is something that we've wondered about um, in his development, right? Is he, is what is he going to do with this, what, what was given to him in the first half of the season where he was very heavily criticized. And I think he's done a remarkable job and he may very well guide Hoffenheim back to fourth place in the league. And this time go straight to the group stage of the Champions League. And I think they, they can possibly do it. Although, um, you know, that final game against Dortmund, I think that will be the key match for them. And it really will depend on where Dortmund are at that time of the place. Um, if they, Dortmund are already qualified for the Champions League, um, then maybe, but I think, I, I think the top four as it is, is going to be the top four we're going to send to the Champions League at the end of the season. Well, yet you never know. There could be a few twists and turns in uh, there. Yes, absolutely, you never absolutely. Know. No, absolutely, you never know. Absolutely, and that's why we love this league. <laughs> absolutely. And then they pick up if Hoffenheim pick up six points against Hanover and Stuttgart. I think they're pretty much there. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And Stuttgart are all but safe, so they're probably not going to have a, a lot to play for. If being honest, Hanover, well. I don't think they should have uh, much problem down that end of the table, which we'll talk about uh, in a minute. So it, you, you never know, right? But let's talk about uh, Eintracht as well. We've seen them um, take their eyes off the ball, it seems, uh, uh, a little bit since uh, the announcement of Kovac leaving in the summer for Bayern. Um, Chris, they, they just haven't been as solid as what they have. They've now lost two games on the bounce, and um, European spots seem um, less likely, even though there's still plenty uh, to play for in the final three games. Yeah, I mean, maybe we should talk about the fact that Hertha Berlin have, have won a match 3-0. That's that's probably more of a um, of a surprise than Frankfurt getting beat because <laughs> Hertha have been pretty poor uh, throughout the whole season. But yes... And, and um, last season. And last season, yeah, and, and season four. So um, it's, um, it's a shock. I didn't expect them to get beat, but... Once again, obviously, you don't know how much the midweek took out of them because they played a very, very strong, dogged um, game. It was it was a scrap. It was a scrap from start to finish. At one point, I dreaded we were going to go into extra time and penalties because it was that much of a, a scrap. And um, maybe here we've seen them just, you know, come to a natural end of stamina for that week. But as the way the table's poised, um, it's going to be hard for them, I, I think, the um, top four is way beyond them. Um, but, you know, if Hoffenheim can carry on and, and Leverkusen have a bit of a slip and Leipzig aren't playing the best at the moment, they're only one slot behind Leipzig. Um, I would say they've probably got more of a chance of overtaking Leipzig into sixth than they probably have of beating Bayern in the Pokal final. So if they're looking at European football next season, they probably want to look at game one over Leipzig and finishing in that sixth place because... Um, yeah, it, it's good. Oh no, because if obviously if Bayern win, then it'll drop down to seventh. So, um, so well, yeah. I mean, I mean, they probably want to finish sixth. Um, I would say let's have a look at them on the next match day because I think this particular match day, Bryce, it's it's given them um, it's given a lot for them in the game they played against Schalke. So um, I'd say maybe not judge their last few weeks on this particular game. Maybe judge it on midweek. On the on the way they got to the final through fighting and and some fantastic defending at the end. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I suppose this leaves us with a uh, little time to talk about the uh, relegation uh, playoff and uh, just um, or playoff position that seems to be coming because uh, Cologne are all but done after their result today. Their inability to to turn that game into a win. Um, Hamburg. Um, 
Yeah, as we've already announced that that clock has more or less stopped ticking, even though they did get a win. Oh, don't say that, Bryce. Don't say I that. don't believe it. I just I can't see it. Five points off. No. Yeah, yeah but can it? Can it happen? <laughs> yeah, it's Hamburg. <laughs> no, the, no, no, no. They're the escape really? artists of German football. <laughs> to, to be fair, Freiburg are on a horrid run of results. Okay, so next week they're playing Wolfsburg. That gap could be down to two points. Maybe. Right? <laughs> right. And then the week after, HSV have Frankfurt. Okay, that's going to be tough. Um, but, and then a final match against Gladbach. But if they win that match next week, that will be the final for Hamburg. If, if they can... Do you see them winning that game, though? Yeah. You do? Oh, yeah. Wolfsburg are dreadful. <laughs> They're absolutely horrible. And Hamburg are now absolutely going to believe that they can still sort of pull this off. I, I, I do think that Hamburg are going to win that match. Well, guys, let, let's say then, um, uh, who do we... I know you guys don't like when I bring predictions to it, but who, who do you both predict are going to finish the bottom three? Let, let's all agree Cologne, unfortunately, are, are gone. <laughs> we, we don't need to agree on that, Bryce. They were all on the field crying at the end yeah, of the bit. That, <laughs> yeah. That's a done. Over, yeah, game that, over. It's that's, eight points. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying it's done. It's done. So, so let's talk about the other two positions. We've obviously got Wolfsburg are sitting with 30 points. Mainz are sitting with 30 points. Uh, Freiburg, as I said, awful run of games, 30 points. Then you've got Hamburg sitting back on 25. Manu did mention that Wolfsburg will play Hamburg this coming week, which could, if the result went the right way for Hamburg, could result in them having 28 and only being two behind. What do we see happening here, guys? Is the clock to uh, be uncovered and, you know, it's going to keep ticking? I, Nobody's I, jumping on <laughs> Yeah, the silence. Um, I, I, yeah, I think it's still possible. I, if they win that game against Wolfsburg, then it's only two points, and two points is nothing. We'll get a, we'll get a final. I, I'll tell you what, on match day 34, there will be a final. Um, you know, in German football, they like to do a little mini conference between the teams that are all can still get relegated. They will have to do a mini conference about the relegation battle. And it will involve Hamburg. It will involve Wolfsburg, it will include Mainz, and it will include Freiburg. Because you have to remember, Mainz are playing Dortmund on match day 33, right? So um, they will drop points in that game, 100% certain. So yes, um, there will be there will be a final mini conference, relegation conference on Sky on the radio, and then later um, Saturday night when they're doing the highlights, they will do a conference there once again because we won't know until match day 34. I mean, if, if we look at another game as well, we've got Freiburg, who, as I said, are performed. They're playing Cologne this coming week uh, as well, Chris. Um, oh, yeah, what? I think Cologne will win that because there's um, pretty much no way back now for them. So um, this game this weekend, they had to win that. They didn't. They've drawn it. So um, that hoodoo is off their back. They are. They're all. They're down. Um, we, we just need confirmation of it. Um, so I think they could win that, which will then drag. Freiburg into it. Mm. Um, Wolfsburg, Hamburg, well, you know, that's obviously going to be a hard one. I can even see Mainz um, scragging out a win against Leipzig at home. Um, I watched them the other week at home and thought they were all right. Um, so we'll see how the home matches. Leipzig are in a terrible run of form. And then you know, Man is quite right. Might stay 33. I think Mainz will then, if they manage to pick up a result, um, you know, plus three points on match day 32, I think. That, that will even its way out. I think they'll get battered by Dortmund. Um, and then Freiburg are playing Gladbach. Well, you, you never know who you're going to get with them. You, they're either going to go out and win 3-0 or they're going to get beat 3-0. So, um, yeah, it, it's a hard one. And then Frankfurt, um, obviously, are playing Hamburg. So it's, it's a difficult one. I think Manu's right. I think it could come down to match day 34 um, when hopefully... Manu and I will be watching Leipzig against Hertha in the Olympic Stadium. Um, but let's have a look at that, that particular game, Freiburg-Augsburg. I mean, that wouldn't be a particularly thrilling match normally. It might have a little edge to it. Um, Hamburg-Gladbach, um, Mainz-Werder. Um, it, it's going to be... And then obviously Wolfsburg against Cologne. I think Cologne would love nothing more than to win their last couple of games and drag a few people into you know, feeling how they're feeling at the moment. Mm. And 
I'm going to stick by my prediction, uh, which I did a few weeks ago, and say that the relegation playoff will be at Wolfsburg, and Manu and I will be able to enjoy Corey Verst um, being hosted by Wolfsburg once again in a relegation playoff, because obviously we're going to be in Berlin, so it's only a 45-50 minute train ride. Chris, they got Currywurst in Hamburg too. Yeah, but they, they're going to have to go something to beat Wolfsburg because they've got like VW Currywursts. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, For anyone that's listening, we do get regular photos sent to us from the press areas about how good the food is from Chris. So they, this obviously means an awful lot to him. You, you probably don't understand. Uh, but That's um, a lot of money to go abroad, Bryce. If you're going to get fed for free and it's top-notch food, you're going to be happy. Well, that, uh, they're keeping you happy, and I'm, I'm sure you'd rather Wolfsburg stay in the league, would you not, for, for all this good food? Uh, I'd, I'd like to make my way more around you know, Germany, a few more places. I've been to Wolfsburg a few times now, so if it's the last time I have Currywurst there, you know, c'est la vie. <laughs> okay. Well, guys, let, let's talk um, a little bit about uh, Bundesliga 2 then. Um, obviously, we talk about the, the playoff. Um, third from bottom in the Bundesliga is going to play third from top in Bundesliga 2. Um, the big game is tomorrow night. We're recording this on Sunday night after all the Bundesliga games have been completed. But in Bundesliga 2, they still have Holsten Kiel sitting in third, will be at home to Nuremberg sitting in second. There's two points between them. So that means if Holsten's kill were to win, yes, they would leapfrog them into the automatic uh, playoff position by one point uh, with only two games remaining. Um, Manu, this this is huge tomorrow night, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Absolutely. And I, I'm, you know, I, I'm Bavarian. I'm, all, I'm for the club. I think the Nuremberg will do it. They will win this game and I think it's pretty decisive, right? If they win this game, they're almost through. So, um, go Nuremberg. We'll make it easier for me to do more Bundesliga games when I'm back in Munich. <laughs> well, that's it. it makes it easier for you, doesn't yeah. it? But, um, and also, they have the world's oldest uh, bratwurst stand uh, in Nuremberg. Fantastic place. So, I wouldn't mind going there more often. In. <laughs> yeah, and all of a sudden, Chris's ears have pricked up as well. He's interested in it all, isn't he? Okay, guys. Well, it's come down the relegation battle down there. The relegation playoff is coming down to food by the sounds of it. Yeah. But, um, guys, if, if you hear this podcast before that game is played, try and find somewhere to tune in for it. It's, it's going to be a, a real spectacle. Two teams that really should go for it. There's there's plenty to play for in that game, isn't there? It's the the playoff can obviously be a, a rather tricky one going straight up um it, it would be a dream to either side so yeah try and tune into that but guys that more or less does it i think this week we've covered everything including um inner I, I suppose intercontinental football with the champions league um promotion relegation and plenty of food so um chris um on that note uh, what have you got going on this week what would you like to draw people's attention to obviously it's champions league so um i'll be up at anfield so keep an eye out on the football grad live twitter account for that um, also on my twitter account i'll be taking pictures of various things coach greetings smoke pyrotechnics my seat all interesting sort of stuff that'll be on uh, chris 78 williams um, and while i'm here bryce i'd like to say well done to paderborn um for coming back up to the bundesliga uh, too uh, and it'd be nice to go back to there at some point next season yeah without 1860 they wouldn't even be there yeah, well, that's very true. <laughs> Just had to get that in there, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, Manu, what have you got going on this week? Um, are you going to be at any in games that you'd like to um, to mention? Um, yeah, no, uh, sadly, no accreditation with Bayern. They were absolutely, you know, the doors were apparently run in by all the Spanish media, so we didn't get accredited for that. That's okay, we'll still cover that game. Uh, plenty of stuff going on for for the Champions League game. And then, uh, why are we speaking about 1860? They might seal up promotion, uh, the promotion relegation spot on Tuesday in their match. So, uh, maybe we'll do a little bit something on that. Ah, we can look forward to that. Mm. Fantastic. Um, how many points did they win the league by? Uh, I'm actually not, I don't have the points in my top of my head, but I think they're over 75 points now. Uh, there's only three matches left to play. So I think if they beat Elatissen, um, and Bayern, Bayern 2, the second side, uh, do not win their match. They're through. If they're not through in that match, they're actually facing Bayern next weekend, 
um, here in Munich. There's the, the little derby. Um, we'll probably do a preview on that game actually, and uh, I'm working on accreditation for that game. Be an interesting one to do. Um, they could wrap it up there. Fantastic. Yeah, we look forward to you reporting back on that. But guys, if, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please head over to the likes of iTunes. Uh, give us some uh, positive feedback. We'd really like uh, or really appreciate that. And yeah, get on to Twitter, you know, get in touch with the three of us or the Football Grad account. We, we'd really like to hear from you uh, on the different topics. Or if you have any questions, you know, we, we'd more than welcome them. Um, I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. And that more or less does it for this week. But if you want any articles, reports, or anything else, just head over to the at Football Grad Live account on Twitter. And yeah, enjoy the games this week. And come on, Bayern Liverpool final, eh? Auf Wiedersehen. Ich war seit Wochen. Auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.